Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Domino, don't do that. Hello, I'm Will Young. Sorry, my dog was just trying to eat my lunch. Hello, my name is Will Young. I've got a new podcast. Well, this is the new podcast uh, called The Wellbeing Lab. It's about well-being and mental health. It's not going to be dull. It will focus on some topics that are serious. However, in my experience, mental health doesn't have to be always doom and gloom. Because personally, sometimes when I'm anxious, things are extremely funny. Uh, Like when I thought my dog was judging me. But that's another episode. We're going to talk to guests. You're joining me, dear listener. I want to hear from you. I want to interact with you. I'm nosy. I want you to email in, tell me your life experiences. I want to connect with you and show that through connection, we can all find, I think, a lot more happiness, actually, and peace and knowing that we're not as different as perhaps we think we are from each other. I want to talk about topics that perhaps aren't as talked about, like shopping addiction or what actually are boundaries, because everyone always mentions them. I don't know what they are. Well, I do now. I've had a lot of therapy. The dogs will feature because the dogs are basically feral in my house. It's done from my dining room table. Well, this is very exciting. First topic of this podcast, shopping addiction. Uh, I can be a shopping addict, which probably means I am a shopping addict. I know when I'm doing it. I know the sense of rush that I get and I know the sense of shame I get once I purchased it and normally try and hide uh, hide it from my accountant. I found this wonderful psychotherapist and counsellor, Pamela Roberts. Uh, she's got 20 years of experience as a psychotherapist. So let's introduce Pamela Roberts and my chat with her. I didn't feel familiar enough to call her Pam yet, but I think that will come in a future episode. Enjoy. My kind of philosophy is if we can get up close and personal with these things, then all the power gets taken out of it and we can carry on living. And all the time we try to pretend it doesn't exist is a problem. Were you driven towards that from your own experience or was it... Somewhat. Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. I had my own life-changing experience and I just thought it was addiction and then it all unraveled. So, yes. And so So, this is a second career for me. Okay, so you're what I call the best teachers and um, gurus and therapists is that you have a lived experience 
of certain things so you can so yeah. do, do you have a lived experience of addiction yes yes, yes. me too snap <laughs> it, it is so interesting because i was thinking of subjects that i wanted to cover and and shopping addiction came up and a few friends they were saying you know what are you doing tonight but, you know i said i'm really excited i, I i'm talking to this person yourself about shopping addiction and they said oh I'm so pleased because that seems like one of the lesser addictions mm. do you hear yeah. that a lot I think it's not given any credence people don't take it seriously and yet I, you know I've worked with people where it's absolutely crippling so no other substance addictions it's purely shopping addiction and yet they're they're suicidal they're low the dark in their thoughts and yet people just say, oh, it's only shopping, that's not a problem. And it really is. It really is another crippling addiction. What are the kind of behaviours that pronounce themselves, that come up, that I suppose almost in a way a tick list for, for shopping mm. addiction? Are there sort of, sort of universal behaviours that can um, raise mm. their head? When I'm assessing somebody for addiction and there's this kind of, this, these criteria for substance disorder... And people, if you tick three or more, then it's likely you have a disorder. I think it's exactly the same format with shopping addiction. It's just the way it manifests itself. So I would be looking out for things like buying lots of things and then sending them back or a wardrobe full of clothes that have never been worn with the labels still in or people with their cart full of things that they've been browsing, hours and hours of browsing, um, and it's never enough, that feeling of never enough. And kind of underlying that is this sense of it's soothing something, but we never get to what it's soothing because there's always this shopping, I want this, I need that, debt, increasing debt. Um, and that can vary, you know, with people who debt isn't a problem where they're financially really established, then this could be an endless, you know, it's a bottomless pit. Yes. So I would be listening out for those sort of things that it's attempts to stop but not being able to or returning so constant relapse, spending more and more time, endless hours on the internet shopping, all those sort of things. So addiction, whatever it might be for, addiction to going to the gym, addictions to the more obvious, I suppose in a way, sort of layman ones of like alcohol or drugs, mm. the same underlying thing for addiction is using something to avoid feeling painful emotions absolutely people tend to think it's the substance or the behavior that's the problem and actually i think they're just the symptom of a way more complex um combination of things i i knew someone that, that would shop right. and they would have they had a partner they had a child and there would be 50 boxes that that person would put up into the attic never opened and they just remain there and and the person couldn't afford them either really so there's a lot of things going on with that there's almost a shame once the items got mm -hmm. that I'll put it away and that's quite an interesting element of shopping addiction I think is it common that someone might buy something and then not even get the joy out of it once they've got it yeah i think as well there's the adrenaline is in the, it's almost in the anticipation, the search. If you liken it with with drug addiction, sometimes it's actually the waiting for the dealer 
and and getting the deal underway that's more it's an adrenaline buzz and then and certainly with gambling it's a similar thing that once the winning is it's nothing to do with the winning and so as you say there's that shame it becomes very secretive and also i think there's an age stigma i think there's a gender stigma that goes with these things as well oh that's interesting if someone's shopping and they shouldn't be the family know that they can't afford it there's a shame that comes with that but then i think is there some learning that goes you know with addiction i think there's some learning along our family journey our family line uh, there's certainly an addictive gene or whatever learnt behavior in my family from both my mum's and my dad's side and yeah. certainly my spending has got me in real you know luckily i can still pay the mortgage but it was my version of desperately trying to avoid the pain yeah. and now i think i do I bought a suit the other day and I was ashamed and I knew why I was buying it. It's because it was lockdown, I was bored, I live alone, I was triggered into abandonment and I didn't try it on for three days because I was really, really ashamed of it. Yes. And yeah. there was no joy in receiving it. I wonder how, it, have more people reached out to you during the last year because it's so easy, isn't it, just to go online and... Yes, but I still think things like shopping addiction, people don't necessarily reach out. I've had one person, but just as you say, that then the pain that comes forward and the realisation, first of all, getting beyond that shame of, oh my goodness, I've got an addiction. And then the very reason those addictions are in place. We need compassion for addiction, I think. And I think that's often missing. Gabor Mate says, we ask the wrong question. We ask the question, why the addiction? And he says we should be asking why the pain? And I think if we can take away that stigma that actually this serves a purpose, it might be destructive, but until we can get there, less people come forward. So I was delighted when someone came forward yeah. and wanted to work online. That's very true, isn't it? Because my brother was an alcoholic and sadly took his own life, but you know he really had reached the end. And... It was interesting. I mean, I loved him dearly and, you know, still do. But when I was thinking about how he'd lived through life, I was thinking, oh, my God, I'd no wonder he was an alcoholic. As someone that has his own anxiety, and I thought, yeah. any way to get through, you know, and and yeah. he ran out of steam. But it, I, I think there is a shame on addictions. It's interesting because with shopping addiction, I mean, people... I would imagine you've come across people I and mean, they can really get in bad debt, can't they? It's, you know, it's Absolutely. almost something that's encouraged with credit cards. And yep. and everything's so accessible now, isn't it? You, you literally do not even have to go to the shop. You can spend hours online and it's very enticing. So um, the, the whole psychology is being used to entice us into these things. And I would never condemn that because not everybody's an addict. No. That's very interesting hearing you saying about the setup and how easy it is. And I mean, I'm coming back to this suit I bought again, but I bought the suit from an email that was sent to me from a website that I bought something from two years ago. Again, it's my responsibility. It's my choice. But I wonder if there is certainly more. It, people don't make it hard to purchase things, do they, at all? How do people come out of it then? First of all, the very first thing is admitting there's a problem. I know there's there's a lot of 
stigma these days about the 12 steps and it's things like there's a misconception really that you've you've got to be powerless over everything and it's actually not powerlessness over everything it's the fact that you've got this thing called addiction but let's move on and find a way to to live differently so that you don't need to be addicted and I think the God thing and I say that with all respect to people who have a strong religion and God they're comfortable with but for some people that can be a real problem and the other thing is people want to always rewrite the steps because it was written in 1939, old American English. Why is it so complicated? So these things can get in the way of people accessing that help. And I will just add, it's not the only way, but it is a very, very proven way of working. But actually, if people can get over the stigma, there's so much value in them as well. If people can get over some of the hang-ups that exist with it, the first thing is knowing there's a problem If we know what the problem is, then we know there's a way out. And that therefore means getting over that kind of shame, the embarrassment and being able to sit and talk to someone because we still have to shop. This is the thing with alcohol. You can throw the alcohol away and you never have to revisit it. Temptation, urges, the allure of alcohol, all of those things can be dealt with. With shopping, we still have to shop. People still have to get their food. They still have to buy clothes. So it's finding a way that it's, in inverted commas, clean shopping. So that there's checking the motives. Am I buying this because it's addictive? Am I buying this because I'm feeling lonely? Am I buying this because I'm bored? Or am I buying this because there's actually a need? And even sometimes if there's a want, that's okay to want something. But distinguishing whether it's a want or a strong urge because you're avoiding, as you said earlier, trying to get away from something. And then once we can start establishing that, the the tricky part of that is actually then we're going to be feeling the pain. And so to have a support network, hopefully therapy and a support network of people that actually if you're feeling the pain, who can you reach out to instead of picking up? the cart, the shopping cart, or going off to the shops. It's interesting hearing you talk about 12-step because I think actually something like 12-step, it, it does have a bit of a stigma and it can seem almost the use of the word God sometimes and things or slightly culty. However, mm. funny enough, I was talking yeah. to someone earlier with complex PTSD yes. and, um, you know, I was saying the importance of finding a connection with others just even just to get rid of the shame, you know. So you can, might laugh about it and go, oh, I looked at, you know, <laughs> I took a second look at those boots or, you know, yes. or whatever it is, yeah. or that hoover. One yeah. of my things was hoovers for some reason. <laughs> Don't know why. Um, and then I guess the really tough thing is that humans don't want to go towards pain. And really, I feel Western society is set up to avoid any pain so as a therapist it it must be almost like coaxing someone to just gently go towards that trauma I feel my work is building a resilience to what is so if we can be with pain if we can be with trauma if we can be with indifference if we can be with abandonment if we can be with um, injustice all these things that are so hard for us to be with and I agree with you western society 
we spent so long trying to get away from it through prestige and lifestyle and blah blah and actually we we then cut out a whole part of who we are as human beings and there's the hole for addiction to creep in and it's something about being idiosyncratic let's be with who you are let's 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 get grubby in a way let's go into the grubby stuff get mucky together be a kind of travel companion rather than someone who's going to put it all back together again i mean when you said let's get grubby i thought this is music to my ears <laughs> i was uh, like i was like let's go pamela you know because yeah. it's true there's the recognition side of let's say what my behaviours are that aren't working. Then there's the recognition of, okay, this happened to me, this is in me, so I have to nurture it It's and, and look after it. I'm not going to get it right every day. There's almost yeah. no right or wrong. Yes. It's part of me. And I think in the end it brings about a lot more self-love because you're not broken or fixed. I don't think people are broken. They just yeah. come with their stuff, don't they? Exactly. It's life, isn't it? And shit happens. Yes. But it's how we actually get to be with that. And we try and we try to smooth it over so much nowadays. Are there things that could make things easier for people that might have a, have a shopping addiction? I mean, you know, if you think about gambling now, mm. you know, the government have looked at gambling and they've sort of put more restrictions on. And uh, are there things that people could do? I don't know about regulations. It's, it's, it's a difficult, yeah. It's the way they use the psychology to keep people hooked in, you know, the sweeping, the colour. Some of the things, it depends on where people are shopping, but I might say change the phone to grayscale because it just takes off that edge of all the bright colours. That's interesting. So I think there are little tips like that that can be helpful. And then is there a responsibility? I don't know. Is it the gaming industry is going through the same thing because there are greater numbers of gaming addicts or gaming disorder. We have to call it different things now. But not everybody is. So does the gaming industry, do they have to do something about addiction? It's a really tricky question. It's very tricky, isn't it? Because it's it, it, there has to be a sense of... And if I had paid more attention to my philosophy modules when I was at university, <laughs> I could bring up some philosophy. Yes. But I can't. No. So I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to throw out Kant yes. and hope that no one's ready. Um, but, you know, it's like there is responsibility with the individual. Yep. However, you know, I do think that it is important to look at the little things that slowly creep in. Yes. Do you ever get couples that can be shopping addicts together? Oh, yes. Really? And then they just justify it for each other or one says well that's a bigger problem than than my problem so you sort yourself out then I'll sort myself out oh that's interesting yeah because I always have a view that one would be doing it and not the other but of course it can just be constant swinging between the two keeping up it's almost keeping you know if one's doing well I might as well do it especially if there's tensions in the relationship shopping is a great way of payback Really? Go on, say a bit more about that. So, Well, he's done he this, in... so I'll spend all his money. Or the anger shopping can be a comfort, but it can also be a way of expressing anger, I think. Is it an older person that would use it? Like, would do you ever come across teens or people in their early 20s? Younger, actually. Many years ago, and this was before people were really talking about shopping addiction, a young woman, she'd lost her mother and always been given things 
to help her with that loss. And so at a very young age, there was already that addiction emerging. And when we looked at her story, it was just there forever. And she was in deep trouble. You know, she was really very mentally unwell. And it was all being covered up by this addiction. And so that's interesting. So it was really being given to her from a very young age, yep. sort of almost in fill the void, fill the void. Exactly. Let's not talk about it. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's so nice to talk to people that really don't get necessarily swept up in in actually the addiction, although there's a huge understanding of it, but they know what's going on underneath, yes. you know. And I think often people think sort the initial problem out and then you'll have your fixed yes. badge. You'll have your, like, I'm cured now. Yes. But it, So it's great to speak to yourself who has who has an understanding of addictions and also what's going on underneath, yeah. you know. And it so is longer term work. Need. This isn't something you just fix in a moment. It's it's constantly reviewing, constantly moving. Yeah. I love yeah. my work. No, it's... <laughs> I really do. I'm so lucky. You know what? I can really tell. Pamela. I think I'm going to get to call her Pam very soon. What a joy. What a woman. She's amazing. Um, really great to talk to her about shopping addiction. And um, I learned a lot from that. And I really hope you did too. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quite a few years ago, my then therapist, picture if you will, a New York woman, perm, twin set and Tiffany earrings, which she regularly told me I was paying for. First thing she said to me when I went into her counselling room was, if I was your boyfriend, I'd dump you. Second thing she said is, have you ever thought that perhaps you're not a very nice person? Amazing woman. She sent me on this course called Survivors and I learned about boundaries and it did change my life. So Michelle Elman's got a book out called The Joy of Being Selfish. She really knows her shit, basically. Lots of people don't. She does. Um, I've read it and I want to get to the bottom of what are boundaries. Essentially, I believe boundaries are how we teach the world to treat us. So it's about your treatment and it's what is and isn't acceptable. And it's the line between us and the rest of the world. So it's our invisible fence. So it divides where your emotions lie and my emotions lie and it separates our stuff from each other. It's even stuff like when a waiter comes over and asks if your food is okay and you just go, yeah, it is, even though it absolutely isn't. But you don't want to make that waiter uncomfortable. So it's almost, so one's in a way living a false life because mm. certainly when I didn't have any boundaries, I would build up resentment inside 
but it's totally of my own doing because I'm I'm projecting something completely different, indeed saying something completely different. I'm like, yes, no, I don't mind if I've asked three people around, but you suddenly want to bring two of your stranger friends who have no idea and actually I get anxiety around people. Bring them in and then I just harbour this resentment. But I wouldn't say it's of your own doing because you were taught and almost trained that way. So it's actually not your fault. You're just a result of your upbringing or society because it's not necessarily your parents. There is no statute of limitations on boundaries. You can always set it later. I mean, I always think of a door that can be opened or can, and, and, and also boundaries can change. And yeah. you talk about, you know, reassessing one's values every year, which I think is a lovely bit of the book. But it's, for me, setting boundaries is actually about being more honest about myself it's created fantastic it's changed my friendships also it simplifies your friendships like Mm. friends know when I'm annoyed with them now because I tell them they don't have to guess that I'm annoyed with them because I'm replying with one word sentences yes uh, or any of that guesswork that I used to say oh we yes we will meet up soon and just like not ever meeting oh that was a huge boundary thing that I learned I stopped Mm. being that person like I won't say it now it's a cliche but like even that is a very hard principle to live by when you are so confused by people pleasing yes now tell me tell me about the different types of boundaries because one of the things that I found was about physical boundaries and something that I never practiced because of my job people would often rush up and just grab me the whole time and I suddenly made a decision that I could still be loving generous appreciative grateful whilst always also setting a boundary because people don't often maybe think about our physical boundaries and our need for that can you take us through the different types of boundaries yeah there are loads of different kinds of boundaries material boundaries is your stuff so Mm. you don't Mm. go borrowing your sister's clothes without asking her kind of thing Um, You have physical boundaries, so that's your bodily boundaries and your personal space. So if that's even someone standing a bit too close for you, you know, when someone's like right up in your face, Mm. it's Mm. a little bit uncomfortable and you're just like, you need to step back. Um, There are intellectual boundaries. So that could be a parent who's a Christian and wants their child to be a Christian. A child gets to a certain age, doesn't want to go to church anymore you respect that. That child has autonomy. Um, Mm. Sexual boundaries, someone calling you a pet name you don't like in the bedroom, or someone said, dick pics are a great example of unsolicited boundary crossing when it comes to sexual boundaries. Then there are, I'm going to miss one of them, but those are some of the boundaries. No, but these are really, yeah, it's so interesting because it, it opens up that boundaries are a lot more than perhaps, well, certainly I thought. What would you say are the barriers to boundary setting? So I think a lot of people actually don't know how they feel at all. And it's because in our society, we very much encourage almost a dissociation from our bodies. Because for some people, especially marginalized people, fat bodies, trans bodies, any of those kind of bodies, it's an unsafe place to be because of the world Mm. and how unsafe the world has made it. And so to be safe inside your body, what you do is almost disconnect from it. But that means you don't know where you're emotions sit so if that's someone that's what was, I did I disassociated for I years. was the same because as... during my childhood disassociation for me or hypervigilance where I was just constantly on edge not feeling safe in the world but never getting in touch with what was going on inside. and you flip-flop between the two and but you're never able to get the middle ground but I was the same way so I'm plus size I have scars all over my body and 
I had a lot of trauma from medical stuff growing up. And so the unsafest place to be was inside my body. And so when someone said, are you angry? I couldn't tell you. Like, I truly did not know if I was angry. And if you said, where does the anger sit in your body? I was like, my whole body's numb. I'm really not sure what what you mean (laughs) about where does anger sit. So it's trying to figure out how you feel. And the reason why that's important is because anger and resentment are the two key ways to figure out that your boundaries are broken. Then what you can do about it is you have to learn how to process it. And unfortunately, that means most of the time, just sitting with it and putting your attention on it. But if you actually do that, the first thing that happens is the sensation will get more intense. And that is the mm. 100% the main reason why people avoid their emotions because who wants a pain to get more painful? And so <laughs> we avoid it, we numb it. We can, And you can numb it with a million things. There are things that societally we talk about all the time, so drug, alcohol, but there are other things that are societally acceptable. So people can numb it with exercise, people can numb it with work, people can numb it with video games, people can numb it with shopping. All of that is just to not feel what's sitting inside your body. Tell me about boundary backlash and some of the things that you experience or or that people might say when you start setting boundaries. I mean, it would just be really dishonest of me to say that like boundary setting is a really easy journey you're about to go on and you're not going to receive any negative criticism. And It comes with gaslighting sometimes. You're crazy. Someone saying like, oh, your needs are ridiculous. You're too sensitive. You don't know how to take a joke is another one that I hear a lot. But knowing that how someone responds is an an indication of how well you set the boundary. If you're concerned with being polite, then you are still concerned with trying to control their reaction. You could be the most polite person in the world and they can still call you rude. So you actually have to genuinely stop thinking about how they respond at all. And that is genuinely the only solution to it. And and then you, you speak about feelings then. And there's a bit in the book I love when you, you say people cannot make you feel anything, anything. And, and that's such, I remember my brother telling me that years ago when he'd been going through therapy before me, I was like, oh, I've got no problems. And he was like, anyway, and he said, people can't make you feel something. And I said, well, that's ridiculous. You've clearly had too much therapy. I didn't have any boundaries at that time. You know, that piece of the puzzle took me years to learn. I genuinely believed I had no control over the emotions that I felt in my body. I thought, Mm. and it was the word I would use a lot was provoke. You said something, it provoked me. I have no other choice but to now feel this. And actually how I learned to separate it was actually around body shame first, was realizing, wait, when someone shames my body, they're essentially handing me a bag of shame. I do not need to accept it. It is not mine and it does not yeah. belong to me. But it's, it was that moment of they actually can't make me feel shame about my body. Mm. And once I felt mm. good about my body, you can literally say whatever you like about my scars and there is no part of me that would feel bad. But then it makes you go through your entire life. Like how many times did I say, well, I had no choice but to be angry. And then yes. you realize, oh wait, but you process something differently. And then somehow the same... A situation or stimulus didn't cause the same result therefore there is a gap between stimulus and response yes. where you have yes. some control yes it's really interesting hearing you you talk about the um you know provoked into a, 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 a into a response and what i've noticed is the way it, with me setting boundaries has brought such deep connection to friends and also has implemented change to other people yeah and 
and and not through me going I'm going to be the boundary setter in this group and then everyone's going to learn it's not that but it's like I'm going to be the best friend I can be to you and this is the way I can be the best friend someone upset me the other day I didn't ask for her opinion she was giving it willingly and I just it was so easy I gave it a day and then I wanted to speak to her on the phone because I didn't want to do it through text she got it in a second yeah you know, and she respects me, I know, and I respect her enough to tell her when I felt a boundary had been crossed. We worked together anyway. We were going to go into a job. I would have held, had so much resistance to it. I would have been crossed. The job would have been Passive-aggressive. You would have made things about, like, how drunk she not, was. Or... I wouldn't have been liking any of her Instagram <laughs> stuff for the next few and weeks. And she might not have noticed that it would annoy you no, even, that more. Would annoy me yeah. even more. I was like, I'm not going to like any of her posts mm, see, and it will be dog posts and I love dog posts she didn't fucking notice at all I was even more living yeah exactly <laughs> but like we've we've learnt better ways <laughs> this is the other thing as well look I can still I'm not perfect I can still mm. not set boundaries I can still do certain things but there are other times and I really get a sense for you that they really, it really has transformed your life doing boundaries, and it really has for me. A hundred percent. It's made me so much happier. I'll tell you something weird that happened with me is, I used to get quite a lot of homophobic abuse in the street. I started setting boundaries in my life, and I think something maybe energetically changed in me. I haven't had homophobic abuse. I think I've had it once in seven years. How I describe it is, I think I carry a don't mess with me energy now the amount of fat phobic stuff I used to get on my page don't get it anymore and that's not to say people without boundaries deserve the abuse they get or any of it but there is a natural thing of when you tolerate a certain level of treatment you will attract people who are going to take advantage of that but it's also about you taking accountability of your part in it so what did you put up with and so you can't look around and be like why do I have no self-esteem and then look around at all your friends and be like oh it's because I'm surrounding myself with people who treat me like crap but I wonder why I have no self-esteem like take ownership of that yeah you say a great thing in the book and I'll have to paraphrase but if you're a problem fixer, a fixer, yeah. so you want to fix your friends, you're basically saying, and it was two things, and one of them was, you don't think that yeah. they're capable of sorting their Themselves. own problems. Yeah. And then you've got no boundaries because you'll just keep on telling them what you think they should do. I have been like that, very codependent. I mean, I won't go even go into that with my brother, but you know, even yesterday my niece was saying, and Actually, she was setting bloody good boundaries. She said, I do not want you to solve my problems. Yeah. All you can ever do for a friend is say, I think there's a problem here. When you're ready to confront it, I am always here to talk about it. And I'm always here non-judgmentally to listen. And just continuously remind your friends you're always there for them. But I think yeah. when it comes to, I mean, I love, I love the boundary that your niece set. That's amazing. And it was brilliant. It's brilliant. I had to learn to say, do you want advice or do you want me to listen? And that is like great. such a simple question, but it really yes, helps. Yes, great. I ask it in a day. I say, are you open to advice or are you open to yeah. hearing my opinion? Exactly. Because um, so often people will just bloody give their opinions and you don't ask for it Mm. I can't recommend your book enough thank you so much thank you Michelle will I call her Mish? I don't know she really knows her stuff and that her boundaries are so important 
when we began this podcast, The Wellbeing Lab, I put some posts up on my personal social media about some of the topics we discussed and lots of people got in touch. I'm going to read some of what those people wrote to me in this episode. I just wanted to tell you about the journey of how we got here because I take any information that you share with me very seriously and I like to be open and honest at all times and I'm not going to tell you I'm actually 5'11", not six foot. (laughs) Um, Hi Will, hello. I think I fit into the category of shopping addiction. I've come to the conclusion it's to get that buzz and little adrenaline rush when you buy something. Possibly throw in a bit of boredom and it's a perfect storm, but also had another addiction, binge drinking once a week, but definitely had sex addiction too. There you go, you see, you know, if you have an addictive personality, then, um, you know, they call it cross addiction. And and I I do that as well, have done it and, and still do. Hello, Will. Hello. I have a shopping addiction. It gives me a short term buzz, but makes me unhappy as it puts me into debt. I realise I'm being stupid, but cannot stop. You see, look, I mean, you've just put it really simply. I feel there's common ground, which is the buzz, but then after that, the not feeling happy. And of course, the debt as well. Good evening, Will. Good evening. Shopping addiction, I believe, has many faces. And for each individual, the addiction holds a personal story. My shopping addiction was triggered by the very traumatic and sudden loss of my 17-year-old son in March 2017. I'm really sorry. My son was autistic and was my whole world. We were one. I was him and he was me, and in a heartbeat my world and my life was forever changed. I spiralled into a very, very deep depression, life lost its meaning, and I was in a very dark place for a very long period of time. I'm not surprised. I felt I had completely lost my mind, and with it any sense of reason, or indeed reasoning, and that is how it began. In total, I owe about £5,000 on various accounts, to some that is not a vast amount of money, but to me it's a burden I carry every day. It can be overwhelming to know I will carry this debt for years to come, as I can't work due to my PTSD. Oh, oh, I hear you, sister. And my complex grief disorder and depression. But I've now managed to stop, think, and make more considered choices. That's amazing. Well done. And and the person and so that's a little insight into my story. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. It's nice to hear from a man. Hello, Will. Yes, I feel I would have a shopping addiction. I'm a gay man, single, live alone, work from home and live in a rural area. My purchasing is a distraction and tends to be via Amazon. I don't get myself in debt, but still feel I need the joy of something coming through the door. Sad, isn't it? Well, sad, and I absolutely don't judge it at all. It seems like you're very mindful about what you're doing, and I always think that's 50%, if not more, of then handling something. Dear Will, I was diagnosed type 1 diabetic age 17, and also struggling with being gay and not out. I spent money as I got a buzz from shopping. I'd buy expensive stuff I didn't need or really want because I enjoyed the feeling I got when out shopping and being seen with bags from expensive shops. Oh my God, I know what you mean. Then mates and people at work asking what I'd been buying. I ended up with about £15,000 credit card debt, which my dad paid off on the condition I'd get rid of the cards. I didn't, and within a year, I'd run up another £20,000, blimey. It left me feeling empty. Wow, that's really something and really amazing that you're owning that and just just shows to me you know the real power of that addiction um reason goes out the window and i really relate to that walking along with expensive bags it sort of used to make me feel like i was more worthwhile um now i just get expensive bags and just put loot paper in it and walk around same same difference hi will 
My sister died in 1983, age 12. It ripped my family apart and my parents. It wasn't their fault, they didn't have support back then, just left me to cope with things on my own. I was nearly three years older than her. I craved attention and love. I drank lots and partied hard. Then I found looking for outfits for nights out made me so happy, so I bought something new every time I went out, even if I couldn't afford it. Things have carried on like this all my life. I'm happily married now with two fabulous grown-up kids who love me as much as I love them, so I can't blame that anymore, but still I carry on. My husband has helped me over the years, paying things off, but now again I'm in a pickle with money as I carry on getting things, more so online now as receiving the parcels is so exciting. Why am I doing this? I have a credit bill of £10,000 which my husband doesn't know about and I guess I will have to tell him sometime. Even today I've been looking online to buy something because I love that feeling of something new. Maybe I'm still looking for something I'm missing in my life. We found out a couple of weeks ago my husband has prostate cancer. I'm sure he'll be okay but what if he isn't? How will I deal with it? I'm so scared for the future. Just having that minute of opening that parcel is sheer happiness. I hope you manage to get a few people opening up to you as it is a real problem that can and does ruin people's lives. Well, you know, that's such a heartfelt, openly vulnerable story. And, you know, it's interesting because one can see why people will turn to certain things, you know, to avoid pain. I mean, it all makes sense. I think a lot of the problem is that we shame ourselves. We need to get rid of that shame by connecting with others that have similar problems and are going through similar stuff. And then once the shame is gone, we can be open. And quite often that's, you know, very much the first step to then regaining control of something. Um, I think shame is a huge, a huge barrier in addiction. Um, And I certainly felt that with me. Thank you so much for getting in touch. I cannot tell you how happy I am that you've got in touch. It is a safe space. It's really important. There is no judgment here. And um, I really appreciate it. Um, I hope you continue to do that because I want to build a little community where we can have a laugh um, and also find out really interesting things. How do we do that, Will? I hear you shouting at me. Okay, don't shout. I'm only here. Instagram and Facebook at The Wellbeing Lab Podcast, Twitter at The Wellbeing Lab, or email hello at wellbeinglabpodcast.com. And if you'd like to find out more about any of the topics we've discussed, you'll find useful links in the show notes. I'm now going to call my father because I need to ask his advice on sweet peas. Oh, I've braced myself. Goodbye. Did you know The Wellbeing Lab is produced by Audio AF and is part of the Acast Creator Network? It's true. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.